this episode of Building Men, part one of a conversation with our father, Dennis George Miralda. Happy Father's Day, Dad. We love you. Welcome to the Building Men podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Miralda. Last time you focused on self-care and the holistic health of your body. GM Revolution is a men's skincare line with a mission to introduce men to proper skin health. GM Revolution offers five skincare products that act as one to give men exactly what their skin needs. Whether you struggle with acne or you're looking to prevent fine lines, GM Revolution works hard to strengthen your body's largest organ, the skin to fight as your body's first line of defense against your environment. Using code BUILDINGMEN, one word, you can save 15% on all of GM Revolution's products and start seeing the physical and mental benefits of skin care. GM Revolution encourages you to be the revolution in your own life. Now, back to the Building Men podcast. So, Dad, there's a, there's a, a little thing in the bottom left-hand corner. One, it'll say mute. You want to unmute yourself, and then you want to start video. What should I rename him right now? I'm going to have to rename him. Um, Chest Rockwell. Chest Chestington Rockwell. Um, Big Daddy. I'm going to change his name every couple minutes as we're talking. Yeah. So people can see that the name will change. We'll start with chest. <laughs> That's beautiful. <sighs> Listen, I don't know what to do right now with you. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'm like so. Uh, there have been. A, there's only been a couple of times in my life that I've been speechless. My uh, first yeah. question is: Are you wearing pants? No. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> this does not require pants. I don't know if you knew that, but I didn't know that. Oh God. I feel so free. This is the best interview we've ever done. Who would have thought that you could wear a vest and just have nothing underneath and look amazing and feel even better. And is Marty's tongue cold or warm? It's it's, it's lukewarm. Yeah, that's right. You figured out my secret. 98.6. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Here we go. Look at that. <laughs> What's going on, Dad? And not much. So I'm wait, here. You, are you wearing a white blazer? I, I, yes, I am. You are correct. Yes. This is so great. This is my favorite. So can you can you tilt the cat like the um the screen? There we go. And you you're not wearing a shirt underneath the. Oh, you're wearing a black uh, shirt. All right. No, first, yeah, I need to get a shirt on. It's a tank top. That's classic Don Johnson, 1985, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, it, it is after after uh, after Memorial Day. You're allowed to wear this outfit, actually. I thought it was white pants for women. It's white blazers for men, too. Yes. It goes both ways. They don't say that. But so, does, so does your other son, apparently. The unwritten rule. They said you don't need to wear a shirt with a, with a, um, a vest like this after Memorial Day. You can wear that. Right. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Is that correct? That's correct. I mean, look at, come on. <laughs> look at us. 
Look at us, you know? <laughs> All right. So I'm just going to, I'll stop. I'm going to get us going here and we're going to jump into it. All right. So welcome to the Building Men podcast. Building Men is geared toward helping you become the strongest version of yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. We are joined by a very special guest today. Um, in addition to the, um, the uh, biker of uh, questionable morality and, uh, and judgment, my younger brother, Anthony, we are joined by Dennis George Meralda, uh, my father. Welcome, Dennis. How are you? Welcome, Dad. Good. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thank you. <laughs> nice, to see, nice to see you boys again. All right. Yeah, so first things first, your name is Dennis as well. We both have the same name, but I'm not a junior. I'm just wondering how that happened. Why is that the case? Uh, you know what? That's a good question. You know, thinking back, I think originally we were going to name you Christopher. Oh. And then I was actually talked into it by my brother-in-law. He actually said to me, oh, you, you have to name your, your first son after yourself, you know? And I never even gave it a thought of the uh, having the exact, you know, Dennis Jr. type thing, you know? It, I don't know. It, it didn't. I, it actually never even registered to do that to me right, for some reason, you know, and mm. I just I never gave it a second thought. I don't know. I, it was a long time ago. <laughs> and who, that was that Uncle Jimmy that said that? Uh, it was Uncle Jimmy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Your life, your life could have been so much different, Dennis. If, if you I were, was Christopher Meralda. Or you wow. were Dennis Jr. Or if Dennis I was Dennis Jr. Jr. That's, Dennis I Jr. think you would have. So our, we have different middle names. I'm Dennis Michael, you're Dennis George. And mom did not like the middle name George. Is that correct? You know what? Uh, possibly not. Um, I actually, my, my middle name came from my, my aunt. It was, her name was Georgiana. Hmm. So my mother named, put the middle name in there, I guess after her, I heard correctly back in, after questioning my parents about that. You know, there were so many Dennis's in my family structure, um, and my mother didn't have too much of an imagination. So you, she just said, okay, I'll, we'll go, why not name Dennis's? I know so many Dennis's, so they just, that's where, because there was a Dennis plant, and then there was a Dennis Ori, which was a friend of the family's. So all that was just, this, just my mother not having too much of an imagination, <laughs> you know, to name me something. I never really liked my name that much, to be honest with you, you know? If so, what what if if you could change it to anything? What would what would you want your name to be? Uh, what name did you like? I guess it'd be more of a common name, you know, like a John or something like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was which was you know maybe even a, a Michael, you know, I guess you know that's I you know but you know what because you got to realize there was a character when I was growing up was Dennis the Menace. Yeah. Yep. So I was, you know, if I had a. I had a, a nickel, as the phrase goes. So every time somebody, you know, re referenced that Dennis the Menace to me, you know, it would be, <laughs> I'd be quite wealthy, <laughs> you know, because so, so I didn't really care for the name that much. I really didn't, you know. No. See, with and the, it's, it's, with not, the it's not a very common name, you know. Not anymore. It's not. Yeah, no. I felt the same way growing up. I I didn't like my name. I always like I I always thought I wanted to have a different name. I think I wanted to be called like Luke or like you know like blaze or like something like blaze. <laughs> xavier well, so so denny well so i have a son he's dennis michael jr right we call him denny but when all of us are together there's so many dennis's dens denny's 
Um, yeah. So yeah, I just I figured I'd start there. Just the the name, like we both have the same first name, but we don't. The middle names are different. And even when I was around the the, the other Dennis's, they they would call me D. So not to be confused with the other ones, you know what I mean? So it was, well, I was never, I was always called D. For Did they ever call you Big D? Big D? No, 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 no. Because I was the youngest, of course, out of all of them, you know? And so I just, they just called me D. You were, when you I, were in I high school, did you, would you say in high school to the girls, do you want the D? You want the big D? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mean from all the girls I dated in high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, that's right. That was going back quite a ways, you know. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I don't know if you wanted an opportunity to, to address Anthony's um, physical appearance right now. We usually spend the first couple minutes just trying to dive dive deep into what's going on. I don't know. If, <laughs> you can just go. I mean, you don't have to address it. I remember, you remember the one time that I wore, I came downstairs and I wore all your clothes. Were you there, Den? When I was doing like a fashion show with all of dad's uh old stuff that he had and everyone was in the kitchen and I came downstairs and I slicked my hair back and I wore all your shit that was in your closet. <laughs> I know you might've walked away at that point because you were too ashamed of what your son was doing, but. No, I, you know, I actually recall one time that actually this is what, this is what Dennis did. He, um, I told him we were going over his aunt and uncle's house and I didn't like the way he was dressed. So I said, you're not going there like that. I said, go upstairs and wear something more appropriate. So he came, he went upstairs and he came down almost dressed like I was dressed. I think he had suspenders on or something like that, but he did it purposely to, you know, to give me a, a little dig. And I actually, I started cracking up laughing. I thought it was, I thought it was hysterical. You know? That's really good. <laughs> well, That's, I, 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 I actually do remember that distinctively. Yeah. We get a lot of our, you know, our comedic timing and our wit from growing up in, and you know, with you and all the different things before we got on, I talked to Tara for a couple minutes today. Tara said, I can't wait to listen. You know, we just started talking about how you, as we were growing up, you would do all these things comedically that we just got so much out of them. You know, I think back to some of the videos that you would do before videos were a thing, you would set up a tripod and do like a Christmas video and you would do different things that would make people laugh. So the fact that we're sitting here today kind of in front of a video camera, and we'll talk about that in the future, but what I wanted to start with that was we figured we'll, we'll do a couple episodes with you, um, but we wanted to start with like kind of like from the time you were born until maybe you met mom, you know, like start there in that journey and just kind of talk first about, you know, your upbringing. We, we haven't learned a, a ton about um you know how you were raised and you know your parents and even you know we've learned a lot about your your relationship with with your brother with uncle nicky but a lot of the things we're just curious about so i was wondering if you could just start with thinking talking to us a little bit about you know even your earliest earliest memory like what's the first thing you remember as you were growing up growing up as far as uh let me think okay well in my household it yeah, was sure. it was as a young kid, uh, I think I had a very good, very good childhood. No complaints whatsoever. With my mother and father, both. both. They were, um, my, my mom, she did a lot of, she was very, um, she spent a lot of time with us, whether it was taking us sleigh riding, you know, playing catch with baseball and stuff like that. Not, not so much my father with that, but 
I, I remember more with my mother doing that. And uh, she was always a very generous person right to the end. I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, that was that was actually that was actually a fault of her. She was a little too generous with her money and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it was it was it was a nice childhood, you know, up until yeah, my teenage years, I would say. Then things changed drastically during the teenage years. Um, it was just what well, my mother would go into depressions, I guess, and and lock herself in the room. And, you know, she would wouldn't leave, basically, not really lock, but close the door and just stay in there all day long. Some lot of lot of medications and stuff, and it was the it was kind of depressing coming home from school and seeing that you know, and then my father used to have we'd be working all day and he he would have to come home a lot of times to make dinner, and and it was it, yeah because that's the way the thing she was going through and stuff like that. She was she was a little bipolar. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. So that was an it was was an issue she had, and it was um. It was tough. It was tough to go through that for me and my brother during the teenage years, you know, and stuff. You know, we were, but we always had freedoms, though. I mean, that part was we were able to do basically whatever we wanted to do, go wherever we wanted to go. There wasn't a lot of restrictions in what we could do. Maybe that was a wasn't a good thing. My parents allowed us to do. You know, we did get into our bit of trouble because of it. You know, but um, I look back on it, and I loved it. You know, yeah. I mean, the things we were able to, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I can't deny it. It really was. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was good. So I, all that part was good, you know, you know growing up, you know, but, but those are my <laughs> early year. I, I can recall that uh, I, I did overall enjoy it, enjoy my childhood, you know, and even, you know, except for the teenage years, you know, with my parents, you know, with the, yeah. what, yeah. well, not my father, my mother explicitly. You know, do you no, think that you, like your um, your parents, like I almost think what you're saying is you had a lot of um, learned a lot of traits about or maybe grandma took on more of a masculine role. She was the one who was, you know, out playing catch with you and sled riding with you and things like that. And your dad took on a role where he would while he would provide for the family, but he was also coming home and cleaning and cooking and kind of taking care of that way. Do you think that you you learned um traits about masculinity from your mother and maybe traits about or may, maybe from both of them what do you or maybe i'll rephrase it how like what do you think you learned about being a man from both of your parents uh no it, was, it wasn't my my mother would be doing that stuff at very young years but i'm talking about from eh, age five I, I call from five till ten let's say but then after that no you know it was it was completely different you know, my, my father was involved with all this stuff too. I mean, but he didn't, he didn't have the time during, during, you know, the younger years. But of course, during, you know, we were playing baseball and stuff like that. He was in, he, he was the manager, you know, the, not, but he was the coach of my baseball team. And so he was involved with it somewhat. Yeah, he was. And through learning masculinity, not from my mother, absolutely not. It was from my father, even though he wasn't involved with sports. He never played sports in his life, you know. We, me and my brother did sports through just growing up the way we were, the, through the, the area we were, sports was meant everything to us, playing in the little league or later on in 
whether it was a basketball league and so on and so forth. But that was just something we wanted to do and had to do. You know, it was sports was something it was it wasn't even pushed was never pushed on by our parents, my parents. But it was it was something that we grew up with and had to play sports. Had to. So it was no one actually like because uh, it's just interesting that you usually like your father is the one who puts you into sports and starts you going with that. So it was just more of like you going out and playing and like influence from your friends and coaches and just being out there. And that was like the thing that kids do or they did. Oh, yeah. like, it was just like yeah, you just played I, sports I, like that was. Yes, absolutely. It was like you realize you would just you go out during the day and play in, You'd be playing stickball during the baseball season, and it was just, and you'd be playing all day long with because there was so many kids outside playing, and you'd be doing that. And then when you were of age, I do believe it was age nine at that point, you you joined the little league. Everybody did, you know. And then during football season, you'd be out playing football, you know. And it was just, it was just something everybody did, you know. It wasn't there was there was no push from the parents, you know. I mean, we were definitely not from my parents, you know. We just wanted to do it. And we, we actually made it, we made it a point that we have to do this. You know what I mean? And basically everybody, everybody who was somewhat athletic always did that, you know, growing up in uh, Woodbridge Township, you know, for sure. You know, that's what it was like. You know? What lessons did you learn from playing sports? What like larger life lessons after like having a lifetime playing sports? What are the life lessons you think you learned from competing? Well, it was, you know, as far as well competing, the that's something not as so much a youth, but as I got older, playing on a team, especially. I mean, God, I love that so much. It was just this that team uh, camaraderie. You know, it was, and I got more of that when it was. I would say when I was in my twenties. You know. That's when it really, it, uh, I mean, I, I couldn't get enough of it, you know. Even after I was married, it was like, I, I could not give up sports. Uh, age, let's say 21 to, to 30. It was, I, I wasn't gonna, I, was, I, I wasn't even willing to do it. Let's put it that way. It would have, it would have, if, if your mom didn't go along with it, it would probably cost me my marriage because I was not, I was not going to give that up. There's no shot in hell. I was, it meant that much to me playing uh, softball during the softball season, volleyball during the volleyball season, uh, basketball during the basketball season. Um, and then, yeah. And so yeah, well, I, well, it was, so basically it was year round. And then it was a football league we, I played in also. So yeah, it was, it, it was oh, something I had oh. to get out of my system, I guess, you know, that's the way to look at it. It was, that's the way it was. You know, for me, I think, I think mom and played I, along because uh, Dennis would have been a fatherless child and Anthony would yeah. have been here. So <laughs> it didn't. You know what? It wasn't an issue. It was not. It, it wasn't. A lot of my friends, their marriage broke up because of it, because they felt the same way I did. And they weren't going to give it up. And they lost they, their marriage broke up because of sports. OK, but it was never an issue in the household because. Uh, it didn't. It didn't bother your mother that I was playing sports. She used to go to some of the games, a lot of the games. So it wasn't a thing of me being out three nights a week playing sports, which I did pretty much year round during the different sports, the different leagues I was in. But um, and then of course I grew out of that. 
age 30. I started 31. I started coaching you, Dennis, in, uh, in Little League. And I, I gave up the sports end of it, you know, playing in the leagues. That's what happened. So if you look and you had an opportunity, you're, you're 20 through 30 years old. Is there anything that you would have done differently? Um, you would have changed or is it like, nope, that's exactly, I lived my life the way I wanted to live it and I wouldn't change anything during that time. During that time for, uh, during that time period. Okay. Like knowing what um, you know now. So as a 69 year old man, if you were to go back and relive your twenties, would you change anything about your life during that time? Uh, okay. Maybe I could have spent more time with, so you and Tara were the only two born that, who was, you know, born at that, during that time period. Okay. So yeah, maybe spent more time, I guess, uh, with, with, with you two, you know, but I was going to realize I was, I was working so there was so much work I was doing at that time. I was working a lot of hours though. So when I came home, a lot of times I would, I would maybe take a shower and then get ready for going to play sports and do that, you know, but I don't know. I mean, so I guess that would be the only thing I would say, maybe if I was able to spend a little more time with the, you know, spending with, with you and Tara, I guess, with the household things, you know, doing that type of thing. Um, I don't know. I guess that would be, that would be it. You know, otherwise, I don't know if I think it would change anything else. You know, I, I, I look at it like the, I was a, I provided for the family pretty good. You know, I mean, as far as money, it was never an issue, never, ever an issue right till, you know, till the, I became semi-retired, let's say, which was in the last couple of years, you know, and, because I worked hard, you know, and so that's one of the prices you pay, I guess, when you put that much work and effort into your, your living, you have to sacrifice on one thing or the other, basically. That's what it was. Yeah. So, so Anthony, if you want to, and you could ask questions too. I mean, I don't want to just totally monopolize here, but as you talked about working hard, during that time in your life. I mean, me and Anthony have talked about it several times. That's one thing that we certainly got from you was your work ethic. And we saw you bust your ass for, you know, your entire life. And you still, you know, you're, while well, you said you're semi-retired, you still work um, and you yeah. still bust your ass. And, but I wonder if you were to go back and if you had an opportunity to pick your trajectory in life, a career that you wanted, like if you were a little kid, you know, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, what was, what was something that you wanted to do? Oh God, let me think, you know, you're going to find this weird. I never gave it a thought. I never gave it a thought of, oh, I would really like to do this. I never said, I want to be a baseball player. I want to be this, be that. You know, I, I never thought I could accomplish those things. So uh, it, it never, it's it, best way to say it. I always live for the moment. Okay. Live for the moment, meaning uh, I live I always live my life to the fullest every day, okay? Never going, looking that far into the future is the best way to say it. It's probably not a good thing, but that's the way I live most of my life. But I always, when, when, I, be, when I started working in the painting uh, profession, when I worked for a company only for one year, 
I always saw the things that my boss had. And I said to myself, wait a second, why am I, I want to have these things that he has. I, why am I working for this guy when I can do all this stuff myself and start my own business? And, and I always looked at it that way. I, could, I always wanted to achieve more in the line of work. Once I started that line of work that I liked, and I did like them. I, my, my, I did like my line of work. So I was willing to put everything into that because of, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, you know, seeing the, the after effect of what you start and then what you finish, you know? So, I, and still to this day, I still like that somewhat, even though, you know, the body's broken down quite a bit after all these years, you know, doing it for 40, 48 years, you know, it's, um, there's only so much. But yeah, so I, I never, I never really looked at it like what I, what I wanted to be. I really, I, I knew one thing. Okay. When I was at a high school, I did not want to go to college. I had no aspiration to go to college. And almost every one of my friends, every one of them, and there was a big crew of friends I had at that point, they all wanted to go to college. They hardly any of them stuck with it, but they, they actually went, they went to college. I never wanted that. I always wanted to be, I just wanted to go out and work. And that's what I did, yeah. So it's, it's, it's funny because I'm, I hear you talk and like when I hear kids now and even like, I don't know, the last like 10, 15 years, like anxiety and depression is so apparent. Right. And I think one of the reasons that that's the case is because kids don't live in the moment and they all they do is like think about the future. Right. Like, you know, what am I going to be? What am I going to do? What's my path? What's my purpose? Not that that's a bad thing, but I think that people can take from what you're saying and learn something from that. Cause the fact that you were like, you didn't look that far ahead. You were just in the moment. You're like, this is what I got to do. I got to do this. And then you figured out what was in front of you. And then you went to the next thing. And then you went to the next thing and you never thought too far ahead so that you'd be so worried about what you weren't becoming or what, you know, what could have been or not living or fulfilling your, your dreams or whatever, you know, you're just sort of, you're working and you're busting your ass and you're doing that and finishing projects. And that was enough fulfillment to you, which that is like, that's unheard of now. I feel like kids don't do that. They just like, they keep trying to find themselves and they spend their, you know, 15 years of their life trying to find themselves. And then, you know, they're still living with their parents when they're 30 years old. And, you know, granted both the dentists and I, I think we're probably overstayed our welcome a little too long, but um, it's just, it's funny hearing you say that because I'm not surprised and not that it's a bad thing either way. I don't think both of them are bad, but I think that there's something to be gained from what you just said there. Cause I think that's really important. It was like, listen, tomorrow I got to work and then I'm going to come home and then I'm going to eat and then I'm going to go play sports. It's not like, you know, oh my God, six months from now I have to do this. And then I have that. And then, you know, I'm not living up to who, what I really want to be. And I always wanted to be this. And then you're like depressed and pissed off and resent, you know, resentful. And so it's interesting when you said that. Yeah. Some of my, a couple, well, one or two of my friends, I mean, they, they used to make, not make fun of me, but they were, I remember one friend called me a working class hero. And that was a dig, obviously, you know, uh, calling somebody a working class hero, because at that point, you know, there were just a lot of more weren't even working, you know, out of college, you know, and they just, I matter of fact, a lot of, a lot of my friends, I put to work working for me when they got out of college, they didn't have a job. So 
quite a few worked for me for about, a, I would say six months to a year. And, and then they went on to their, whatever they were going to do, you know, but I, I had my business already started at that point, you know, because I was young, you know, realize I was 24 years old and I, I already had a business going, you know? So a lot of them were getting out of school at that point and they started working for me. And, 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 you know, it, it helped me, but it also helped them somewhat, you know what I mean? To, um, for, for the time being, making a couple extra bucks. Some of them were just out of the service, getting out of the Navy. And they came work for me for a while, you know? And it, it was good, you know? It was good for them. I'd say it was good for me too, you know? It was, it would, I have a lot of good memories of all, all the guys even worked for me for all those years. They were friends too, you know? It was good. Do you was think good. up to that point in your life, um, starting the business was the biggest risk that you took? Um. Yeah, you know what? I was no, it wasn't. It wasn't a at the time. It was probably somewhat of a risk, but you got to realize it was such an easier way to to start things at that point. And if you failed, it wasn't the end all. You know, it really wasn't because you know it was. Um, I was I was married at that point. You know, so I wasn't even single. I was when I was first married. I was still working for that other other company. You know, and yeah, I guess I did take a bit of a chance because if if it failed, I was I'd be stuck, you know. You know, even you know, because how am I going to afford my my mortgage? I I actually had a house at that. I I had a, I had a house one year after we were married. I went right from an apartment to buy a house, you know. So it was it was a big it was a big jump. But there again, you know, I I never looked that far and saying, oh my God, what, what if this happens? And, you know, I, I always looked at it like I'm willing to take somewhat of a chance because I saw the upside compared to the downside. And there was so much upside that it, it was definitely worth the risk. Definitely worth the risk, you know? That's so interesting. I love hearing that because like the people living with like the what ifs in their life, it ends up controlling them, right? Like what if this happens or what if I, you know, being a natural born pessimist, it's like, it's impossible. It runs your entire life when you assume what the worst case scenario that's going to be. And that's why a lot of people aren't willing to start their own business or they wait until everything is perfect. Everything in their life is the way it has to be. And as you know, it's never going to be perfect. Nothing right. ever going to be lined up exactly how you need it to be. You just need to jump. You got to take a risk. And you were just like, you know what? I got to do this because you weren't, you were like, right now, this is the right thing to do. And I'm not going to look anywhere past this moment right here. And that's a scary thing to do. And a lot, I think a lot of people are like, they're not willing to do what you did. And I think it's a huge risk, you know, but, but again, you made it work. So. Yeah. It's, there's always, there's always risk and stuff like that, you know? Um, okay. It's it's a, it's probably a little bit harder today. There are more rules and regulations that weren't in place, you know, at that particular time, you know. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I. But even later on, I took a lot of risks with jobs I took on. As a matter of fact, I, I uh, Dennis, you worked at some of those jobs, you know, the exterior jobs and at, outside of a, I mean, apartment complexes doing the exterior work, and yeah, there was some of the people that I hire and stuff like that. And the insurance wise, some of these guys got hurt. It could have been, you know, it could have been in trouble, you know? And that was, those are, I look back now, I'm saying, I don't know if I should have taken those risks, but 
it didn't happen. I took risks. And you know what? Uh, fortunately, I made a lot of money doing them, taking those jobs on. You know, I was never afraid to take any job on because it was just like I looked at it and said, wow, this, this job, I, I can make hundred and something odd thousand dollars for, you know, for the course of the year, you know, taking this work on. You know, and I say, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it, you know. So I always I always jumped into things like that. Like and the only the downside I look at now, looking back, even today, a couple of jobs I think me and Dennis looked at. Um, exterior jobs, I, I, I'm more skeptical now because I'm thinking to myself, oh, you know, this could be a, a, could be somewhat of a liability. To, do, do we really want to take this on? You know, if something happens back then, I never looked at it like that. No. I, I, I guess I'm a little more conservative now right. as I'm getting older, you know. <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah. So you mentioned there were more, uh, more, more rules now than there were then. Um, was one of the rules is one of the rules now that maybe you didn't have back then that you're allowed to wear a white blazer before Memorial Day? Uh, yes, I, I do believe so. That's a new rule. I think, I think that's that's strong. Yes, <laughs> you started that rule. It's now a rule. It's now a rule. Well, yeah. listen, it's, yeah. it's a strong it's a strong profession there of uh of your commitment to to that look. I love it. So it's um made me think about you know taking risk but then when you have that you know within you like okay i'm going to take a risk in this situation like inherently it comes from you know recognizing a fear and being like you know what what the the potential gain outweighs the the risk or outweighs whatever the fear is in front of me so if you were to think back to and again i'm trying to stick within you know the first you know maybe 20 25 years of your life here during this conversation what do you think was your biggest fear growing up? Like, can you pinpoint one or two things you say that was something I was really worried about when I was younger, either elementary, middle, high school? Um, I guess, I guess some way, I guess it would be failure, you know, um, a fear of, I guess it would be, uh, yeah. I mean, failing at something, you know what I mean? Um, Oh, I'm just trying to think now with the even acceptance, you know? Uh, all right. So during my high school years and stuff like that, I, I, I dated a lot of girls. Okay. And actually I was looked down upon uh, by a lot of my friends because of this, because you get during, during that time era, it was, there was most of my friends, even they were going steady with one girl. Okay. Basically that was it. And, even though I had a steady girlfriend during most of my high school years, uh, I always just wanted to go to the girls. It was just like, well, I said, basically wanted to say to myself, let me get this out of my system. You know, I mean, I, I don't know, most guys are like that, but back then it was that just something I had, I wanted to date a lot of different girls during my high school years. And a little bit after that, you know, until I got married, <clears throat> but it was just something. And so that, I guess there was also a fear of me um, not knowing whether I would ever be able to even settle down, you know? Um, that was going through my head during the years after I was out of high school. And I was going through a dark period at that time during, um, I guess up until the time I, I actually met your mother. You know, there was, there was just a lot of, uh, experimental things with the, some of the crowd I was hanging around with, whether it was doing different types of drugs and stuff like that. And it was a, it was the worst period of my life without a doubt. 
I, I hated myself during those years. I didn't like where I was going, what I was going to do. It was, it, 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 and even I was being questioned, I guess, to some extent by my father. You know, he didn't like, he didn't like the person I was, you know. And I was never given an ultimatum in my household, but I, I didn't like where I was in, in that part of my life. So the fear was that during those the dark, I was them the dark years. It'd be like age 19 to, I'd say 21, those two years, during those two year period. So yeah. to take like a deep psychological dive there, you mentioned you tried to date a lot of girls in high school. And I'm just interested to know what you think about it now. Do you think it was just, you got bored or was it almost like whatever that relationship was, you weren't fully willing to invest in it or you were, you were trying to find yourself and it was by doing that, it was almost like accumulating the number of girls you can be with. I'm just interested in why you think uh, your mind okay. went that way. Yeah, it, 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 I guess it was more of an ego thing. Yeah. It was more of an ego trip. What's your number? Like, yeah. Listen, when you have filet mignon so many times, you're going to want some chicken, you know, you got to mix it up. <laughs> it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, was it a bit of being somewhat, conceited and uh, an ego trip that I could, I was able to do that. All right. And date all these beautiful girls in high school and stuff like that. And I'm not, I'm not condoning it, what I did. It's like that, but I don't know. I mean, when you're at that age and I guess you could both recall when, you, you know, your testosterone level is through the roof, you know, you know being there too, when you were in your, your teenage years like that, it was just, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It was just something that was in me. I, I, I had a, I, I look back and I, I think myself, I, I just had to do that. I don't know why, but I did, you know? It's like the, the grass is always greener on the other side type thing. Like you're with someone and then you're like, oh, and then and you see somebody else. And then, you know. I was always looking. I was always looking at try to up my game mm. with the girls I was dating. I would be dating the most uh, the most pretty girl in, in, in high school. And I dated a lot of them and I'd be still looking at the, another girl who I could possibly hook up with the, all the time. I was, that's the way I was. You know, like, I, I, <laughs> well. But it was, you know what I, I say, I, I think by a lot of my close friends, I don't, I don't think they liked it. And of course, my, uh, I think they were, they looked down on me somewhat because of that. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, I actually, I remember a girl that I was going, I, I was just with her one time, dated one time with her, and she, she told me that I was getting known as a womanizer. Okay. And <laughs> I didn't even know what that meant at that time. I was, I had to look it up. I said, what the hell is a womanizer? You know, I didn't even know what it was, you know, and and then I started thinking to myself, hmm, I might get this reputation, you know? And that's, it made me realize at that point. And that's, so I, I remember that distinctively, this girl saying this to me, you know? And, it, and actually she wound up marrying one of my friends, you know, one of my close friends at the time, you know? So, so that, anyway, what was the moment? Was that the moment where it kind of shook you out of whatever headspace you were in? Did someone have to call you out on it by saying you were a womanizer, or was it something else? Was it a conversation with your father? Was it so, like what was it that that got you out of that mindset? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, that was somewhat of an awakening, but, and it was also because of, um, I guess because of the one girl that I was dating more steadily that, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, it just, it just happened to me all of a sudden. And then I just said, I was done being like that person after a while. I, I didn't, I didn't like who I was, you know, let's put it that way. That's the best way to say it. I didn't like what I, I was, and I wanted to get out of that, that person that I was, that was it. Yeah. So a lot of the people that I talk to on the podcast, they go through that same thing where there is a point in their life where they don't like what they're seeing and they, they figure out a way to get out of that. So when you mentioned there was that point in your life, so whoever, however you came to terms with it, it was a conversation you had with someone, you looked in the mirror and you decided I'm going to change what I'm doing. What was like, what were the steps that you took to kind of get out of that? You said that was your dark spot in life. So what did you do to get out of the dark spot? Well, it was, I guess it was when I, I started dating your mother. Okay. And I, I actually knew I wanted to get married at that point. You know, I wanted to, because I, I didn't want to be single anymore. I, I did not want that in my life. I, I just, I wanted stability. I wanted, uh, I just wanted, I wanted to have a household. I wanted this one, that one, that I wanted to raise a family. And it was, I was done. I was, I started at a young age. You know, you gotta realize I, I, <clears throat> I started uh, for at age uh, 13, 14, you know? So it was like, and going through all that and then sowing my oats for all those years, it was just like, I, I didn't want to do that anymore. I was done with it. Where I think today's generation is explicitly more towards Anthony, you know, they start, they don't get it out until they're almost in their early thirties. You know, they don't, most people don't get married till then. Back then people got married in their early twenties. You know, most, all my friends were married at that point. All of them were married in their early twenties. You know, so it was, a, it was a different time married too. You know? yeah. I wanted to, <laughs> to talk about um, your relationship with your brother. So uncle Nick, okay. um, so you are a year younger than him? Uh, not quite a year, uh, but I would say nine months. Yeah, nine, ten months. Yeah. So it's an interesting story. And I don't know. I mean, you, I'll, I'll let you kind of tell it how you want to tell it, because I don't know how, you know, how much you would want to share. Or Uncle Nicky would want you to share just about one, um, you know, how he kind of came into the family and then your relationship with him growing up. All right. First of all, I found I, I, it was normal for throughout, you know, our young years, <clears throat> me and my brother. Um, and then things changed around teenage years, early teenage years, you know, 13, 14. He became a little more hostile towards me. Okay. Let's put it that way. And I never understood why. I never understood why for many, many years. I found out when I was, I guess I was 16, 17, and I was at a dance and his ex-girlfriend told me that, she said, I don't know if you know this or not, but you know, your brother Nicky was adopted. And I said, it just, it floored me. 
it just, I said, what? What are you talking about? And I was like just walking around for the whole evening next day in the days. I just, I, I had no idea. And then it was never discussed though. Never discussed with me, him, my mother, my father, ever. Through, even after I was married and stuff, never discussed that my brother was adopted. But then I started putting a little two and two together with all the, the fights we used to have. And I started adding it up more. Why was he, <laughs> some of the fights that we used to have were so, and I was in a lot of fights as a kid, not with, I mean, fist fights with other, you know, kids and stuff like that. Never was the worst fights I had was with my brother. I mean, kick ass fights. And we used to beat the shit out of each other. And I never understood why, you know, why. And he started most of these fights. I'm not saying that because it, this is my perception of it. It, it. it was. He started the fights with me. I can never understand why. And I, I, I never, until I started analyzing my head, there was, there was something that he had, like, whether it was a jealousy thing or something, that he was taking a lot of his frustrations out, frustrations out on me. And, and I, at the time I couldn't accept it. I really couldn't. I mean, cause I didn't know it. I didn't know what was going on. I, and I just was used to, I should rattle my brain trying to figure out why he would do these things. And it was, I actually found out when my mother started discussing with this with me, if she actually said, do you know your brother was adopted? God damn it. This was like, I must have been in my 40s at this time. And I said, yeah, yeah, I know that. I said, I found out not from you or dad. I said, I found out from my brother's girlfriend. And it was never even discussed with me or him, you know, ever. So it was a kind of a, that used to piss me off how they would never even, my parents would have discussed it with me. My brother never even discussed it with me. Yet there was this, somewhat hostility between me and him because of that. You know what I mean? And I, I never understood it. I just didn't, you know? And so that was never so discussed as a family. Like so you never no. sat down and they never like and have you and Uncle Nicky had a conversation about that even to this day about him being adopted or how that made him feel or anything like on like that? Uh we we somewhat did, you know we had a falling out for a, a 10 year period. Um, and it wasn't because of that. It was for something else during the, a financial issue. All right. And, but then I said to myself, you know what? I, I the family was apart for 10 years. You no, know, his family and my family. And I just said, that's enough. I mean, I just said, let's get together. And we got together. I do believe it was on Mother's Day quite a few years, a couple of years ago, and down down Lava Lead. And we, I just said, let's get the families back together again. Let's forget everything. Because even asked me what I wanted. I told him I want I don't want anything. Nothing. I said, let's just get the families back together again. And uh, what we what I discuss with him now more so, we just reflect on our years and growing up with my my parents and most of the issues with my mother and laugh about it, we, you know, because there was quite a few things <laughs> that's laughable. What my mother, some of the shit she did when later on in years and she'd be suffered from dementia and some of the things she did. And 
Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that's the things we discussed. And we never, I never, she got to he, he found the adoption papers in my father's safe. I think it was at, at, when it was age 12 with him. And he ran away, he wanted to run away from home when he found those papers. And then I, uh, he did, I think, run away from home and they got him back. And then, and then my parents discussed it with him, but not with me. I was just kept in the dark about it. So they always, of course, said, we, we love you like you're my own you know, kids. But it was never discussed, which is the, I mean, a big mistake my parents made was not doing that. She should have sat all of us that as a family and discussed this. And they didn't do that, you know? And so that's, that was, I think that was a big mistake my parents made. You know? Do you, like, looking back, do you have taken the opportunity to say, once you learn from your brother's girlfriend or ex-girlfriend, if you would have, like, when everyone's together, be like, hey, let's talk about this shit. I just found out that Nikki was adopted. This is a big elephant in the room right now. Let's talk about it. Okay, should I should I have did that? Yeah, you know what? I probably should have. Yes, you're right. I probably should have did that. And <clears throat> you know what? It probably would have made things a lot easier with me and him. You're right. That's a, that's a good point. That I think would have made it so much easier. Uh, and you know what, probably would have saved a lot of fights, you know? <laughs> yeah, I really would have, you know? Because uh, yeah, I'm looking back now, that that could have made things a lot easier, you know? But obviously uh, if you had a dynamic uh, in your family, things like that probably weren't brought out to the surface and discussed in such a way that you felt comfortable doing it. I think it's so interesting that the day that you and Uncle Nicky reconciled was on Mother's Day. Um, one of the things that it st stands out to me in my childhood, there's a couple moments, you know, that, that stand out to you. And there's usually an emotion attached to it. And I remember your father passed away on Mother's Day. I want to say, what is it? That's right. Or was it 84? Yeah, I was on Mother's Day. I forgot about that. That's right. And he passed yeah. away. I remember. I remember you telling me and Tara about it. it was in the backyard. Yeah. So the fact that you reconciled it was probably two or three. You know, however many decades later that you reconciled with Uncle Nicky, the fact that it's on Mother's Day, that's uh, that's significant. Yeah, that's pretty. You know, I never put those two together, but that's true. Yeah, it it's probably like that. subconsciously you didn't even realize that you were doing it, but just something about that made you both want to connect at that point. You know, and that's that's so interesting. Yeah, and it was weird because my mother, as she got older, became very bitter, very, it was, she was a tough cookie. And she lived with my brother and they went through a lot of turmoil, a lot of turmoil with her. The stuff she used to do, I mean, it could be written in a book and people would be shaking their heads, you know, with some of the stuff she used to do with, to them. It, was, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't good. She even tried, she would try to even separate me and my brother a lot of times, which I didn't like, you know? And this is, you know, I mean, she would try to pin one another against each, uh, me, me and my brother against each other. And I even went, to, went into her one time and I told my mother, I said, I said, mom, what are you doing? I said, if you're trying to break me and my brother up, it ain't going to happen. So stop it. Stop doing this. And I think she kicked me out of the house at that point. You know? <laughs> she told me to leave. <laughs> but I said, hey, you know, too bad, you know, because we were, we were close as families, me and my brother, once, once we had kids and stuff. We, we did a lot of stuff, yeah. went a lot of vacations yeah. together, you know, went to Florida, to Disney World and all that stuff. And it was, uh, you guys, you guys remember that, right? Had a lot of fun yep. with, yeah. with, with, with uh, my brother Nikki's kids. It was, it was a lot of good memories, you know? 
So what we're going to try to do then is set up maybe like three different interviews. Maybe we'll do like once a month and just go through different kind of chapters almost of your life. Um, and so I, you know, I think today we wanted to cover maybe the first 20 or so years, you know, kind of getting into a little bit about, you know, your kind of how you grew up, you know, just a question. I, I didn't know some of the stuff that you talked to us about today. So I'm, I'm really interested in, so I would close in this first chapter, we'll call it like, this will be kind of chapter one. If you had an opportunity right now to go back and have a conversation with your mom and with your dad, um, what would be a little bit of those conversations? What would you talk to them about? Uh, well, the first thing what you just touched on before with being more, actually more revealing about each one of my, uh, about themselves, which to this day, me and my brother have to, we have to find information about my parents out through my, you know, through my cousins and stuff like that, because they didn't reveal a whole lot about their past and we didn't push them, push them on it too much. You know, saying, Hey, I want to know how, what happened in your family? What happened to you? And that was kept pretty quiet. So uh, I would, I would have loved to have asked them more questions about themselves and hopefully they were going to reveal it. I, I don't know if they would or not. And yeah. And just that thing about my brother where they would change, they, I wish they would have changed the way they, you know, that part of it with revealing about him and, and making our family closer at that point, you know, somewhat and being more open. Yeah. That would, that would be the biggest thing, you know? Um, but it, you know, it, it was, that, that I, I think that would be the biggest thing. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. I, I could probably think of other things, but I just can't think of them right now. Yeah. 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 And, you know, when we get back, we'll schedule another one of these in a month or so, and we'll do like, you know, chapter one, chapter two, and we'll, we'll kind of chronicle Dennis George Meralda and the white blazer over the course of, uh, course of time. <laughs> yeah. Dad, we're going to be in a competition about who's going to dress more outlandish now for these things. So you better come, uh, come ready. I'm just saying, I got a whole lot in the toolbox here. So. Well, I, well, if you stole some of my wardrobe, I guess you can uh, one up me. A lot of this stuff is yours. We've been <laughs> trading clothes for the last 15 years. So, Anthony, let's let's be honest. A lot of the stuff that's in your toolbox is illegal in like 12 states. That's true, but we don't need to talk about that on uh, on air. So let's just you cut that out, right? Fine. Uh, well, Dad, thanks so much for you know for talking to us for a couple minutes. Like I said, well, this will be over the course of time. I I enjoyed this. I think. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. We'll have to do it more. Absolutely. Yeah, without yep. a doubt. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thank Anthony, I, I, I don't know what else to say about you right now that people can't look at you and, and know what I'm thinking. <laughs> no, they're just going to have to watch and see what, uh, what I'm bringing to the table here. Cause it's a lot <laughs> and, it, and it's glorious. Yeah. All right. So for, uh, for Anthony Meralda and big D we're going to, we're going to thank you for, for listening. D. We'll see you next time on building men. Thank you. Okay. <laughs>